Introducing Mortgage Matters. This is a great time to go buy a house. This is when the real estate fortunes are made. A show dedicated to helping you navigate the challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were put into conservatorship in 2008 and continued to dominate the mortgage market. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting live from the KBEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? It's time for Mortgage Matters. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Mortgage Matters. Woo! The crowd goes mild. Woo! (laughs) It's not the royal wedding, like we're talking off off the air, but it's the Mortgage Matters show. The what? What It's the Mortgage Matters show. Oh, no. I know what the Mortgage Matters show is. What did you say before that? Not the the royal wedding. The royal tent. Royal wedding, yeah. We're from the palatial KVEC studios. Yeah. Instead of St. George's Chapel in England. Um, the royal wedding, that's happened today. It's probably almost over, right? The, oh, it, I, the, the luncheon's probably wrapping so. up. I think so. I don't uh, know a lot about the royal wedding, okay? Uh-huh. But what I want to talk about, something I know equally little about, is Yanni or Laurel? Yeah, what is that? Stupidest thing. Come on! I, I hear Laurel, clearly. <laughs> Yanni. That's what I hear. Yeah. Yanni. Yeah. Where did that uh, little soundbite even come from? And why do these things somebody take made over? It, somebody made it, from what I understand, is that um, when played through varying speakers or at different volumes, different frequencies, frequencies different distances from the speaker... Um, the sound waves are heard differently by uh, the way your ear. Yeah, see? Laurel. Yanni. (laughs) How do you hear Yanni in that? What do you hear? Uh, I heard Laurel pretty clearly on that one. Did you? Yeah. Laurel. But when I heard it on on TV earlier this week, it was very clearly Yanni. Yeah. Um, uh, That's weird. I think somebody did it, honestly, just for the viral nature of it. Do you hear Yanni? Laurel. No. Laurel. Laurel. Or Laurel. Laurel. No, I've never Laurel. could hear Laurel <laughs> in any way. I've never heard Here. Yanni in that at all. So anyway, <laughs> I, I, I read an article yesterday on interesting engineering that said that um, it just has to do with the frequencies that you hear. They're both in there. They slowed it down, you know, and spread out the wave file big enough that you could break down what was really in there. So it just has to do with how you hear it and what you're hearing it on. And people's ears receive frequencies a little different. Mm-hmm. So this thing does that. But whatever. Yeah. Do you hear Yanni, Laurel, or I want off this planet? Laurel. <laughs> just like that. The dress thing. The, right. The dress thing. Yeah. Maddening. There you are. Maddening. Yeah. <laughs> It's all the craze, though. If you're getting the clicks, yeah, I guess if you're getting so. the clicks, well, somebody's so. probably a millionaire now from yeah. all the knuckleheads yeah. clicking that thing. I saw it all over social media the other day, and then next thing you know, KSBY is talking about it, and then it's like, mm-hmm. uh, someone's making too much money off of this. You think someone makes a bunch of money off of that? Oh, yeah. Because of the advertising? The clicks, bud. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. What a great contribution to society <laughs> in order to make your fortune. That's, that's really hey. fantastic. Yeah. 
I was going to go try to yodel in Walmart to become a millionaire, and some yeah. 10-year-old beat me to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, right. So that's exciting, the <laughs> the Yorl or Lonnie thing. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't say either of those things. Yanni or Laurel. <laughs> mm. Or indifference. Yeah. Uh, boy. Um, well... What's been happening, Dan? It's been, what, a few weeks since we did this old show together? Yeah, it has been a little while since the dynamic duo has been on, huh? Yeah, I got to be off last week for a baseball game that was at 9 o'clock. Yeah. It was a um, good game. Good. Missed you. And then what, the week before that? Was... I had a I had a good run of like four weeks off. I know. I remember when you had that. <laughs> I remember when you had that. And that's what had me, you know, feeling less guilt about having the last couple weeks off on on my end here. Yeah. But here we are. <clears throat> I got voice recognized nice. yesterday, too. Did you? Yep. My a lovely listener named Matt cool. said, hey, I recognize that voice from anywhere. I was actually with Jason Van Dyke, too. Which was funny because then he's like, yeah, you both do it. So now Jason's doing it enough now that people are hearing him too. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Although I don't think yeah. he, that his voice was recognized. It was, think, it was just known that because he was. association. He does, yeah, yeah, that he does it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's weird that you can be voice recognized. Oh, yeah. Things. It's happened a lot to me. <clears throat> yeah. And I still think my voice sounds so silly like when mm-hmm. i hear myself on a uh, message or um you know something like that we're here recording your you voice. don't sound like you think you sound i yeah, know it's because it you're i my ears, it's you're in your in your in head, your inner yeah. head or something mm-hmm. it's weird but also i think the way that you that's talk why we hear yanni funny. or I find myself I just thinking <laughs> it's, like, well yeah. it's because of the wavelengths and the distance from the speaker oh yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah the frequencies yeah. are just a little right. bit different yeah <laughs> Well, it sounds weird too because I, and maybe it's just me. I imagine it's not though. But when you, when you have the opportunity to go back and listen to a show or a segment of a show where you're just talking and you're hearing yourself talk, you realize that you have ways that you inflect words or sentences kind of shape the way you talk. And it, it, it was new to me, you know, when I started listening to it. I'm like, I don't like that. But, um, you know, the one of the reps that we work with. Um, from SunTrust, every time, every time, every time we talk on the phone, she says, you just have the most amazing voice. And I don't even know if she knows we do the radio show. Your voice is so comforting. It just makes me feel so content. She's like, I just want to talk to you more. (laughs) I'm like, kind of me too, but also a little awkward. I don't know. I do like her though. (laughs) <laughs> and SunTrust is a great bank. Um, man, uh, I missed the show for a couple weeks, so I don't even know if you've been keeping everyone up to date on uh, the, the run-up of this 10-year bond yield. Uh, well, it, it had a lot of action last week, so uh, we haven't talked about the shoosh. the the new range of, of bond yield that we're in and rates Is it a higher. new range now? I always rely on you to well, tell me about the range. Over, we popped over 3%, which is kind of a... 3% is like so far in the rear view now. I don't even know. Yeah. I don't remember what it was like to be <laughs> less than 3%. I know. Uh, touching 311 on Thursday. 
I was trying to throw it into the old Google box here and see real quick where we ended up yesterday. 3.06. Yeah, I saw a little price improving last yesterday. Kind of crazy. And, you know, when you run through all of the the goings-on of the economy, um, it's pretty hard to make the case that it's going to go down anytime soon, right? It's, yeah, I mean... Might, I, might just be here. I, I don't know that it's going to be here and then it's going to continue on. Yeah. It, it's going on a path. So we have a, a Fed meeting in about four weeks, the, uh, June, the June Fed meeting where there's... 100% chance of a rate hike. <laughs> I was going to say 90-something, <laughs> but not, yeah, virtually 100% chance of, a, of a, another rate hike. It's near, it is literally near 100%. And then the, really the big question for the remainder of the year is whether or not they're going to do... In, including the June one, whether they're going to do two or three rate hikes this year. The the economists polled that are rating the um, June rate hike near 100% probability have issued um, over 70% for a rate hike in September. So, and I, I would... Does that mean, does that make you feel like you're going to see the 10-year go to three and a half? Yeah. Yeah, it does. I I feel like, you know, we're hovering right around four and three quarters on a 30 year fixed rate right now um, for, you know, your good credit, good loan to value, owner occupied property, four and three quarters seems to be kind of the sweet spot right now. But I, I would guess that by the end of the year, we're looking at five and a quarter to five and a half interest rates. Holy smokes. And there's some, you know, I caught a couple articles yesterday. Um that you know home buying activity is really heating up nationwide and a lot of it people believe i mean this is that time of year but also these rates moving higher um has got people very motivated to oh sure to get in and own a home i mean i don't know that people weren't already motivated but um well you know the cost of borrowing getting more expensive some of the home buyers that i've been talking to lately are um well, I think there's kind of two classes. The first time home buyer, um, they're definitely wanting to get in. And you know what? Yeah, it would have been rad to get in two years ago, but something kept them from it. Um, you know, the the better salary at work or the the credit establishment or fixing or whatever, right? So they're just they're just showing up to the dance now and are like, man, there's every indication that interest rates are gonna be up you know, in another year or so. So it's go time. And then at the same time too, I've also been having more and more of these conversations with uh, repeat home buyers that are kind of going, you know, we've been toying with this idea of, of selling our house and, you know, kind of just coloring up a little bit, wanting to get into something a little bit bigger, something over on the other side of town, something next to that school we've always wanted to go to. And, um, it's been great to have appreciation, but the longer we wait, wait these rates are just kind of coming along. So there's uh, definitely a little bit of that motivation going on. Well, I was talking to some real estate agents this week, and, and, and I said the same thing. Um, I've been saying this for years as we've been, you know, we've had interest rates kind of bump up a little bit, flatten out, bump up a little bit, couple dips, whatever. But, but we, we've had enough upward kind of trend that we're seeing how it's dealt with to some degree 
people that are in process feeling rates go up on them. Whoa, when I got pre-qualified, it was four and five eighths and now it's four and seven eighths. That that really hurts. And they're frustrated. Like, what's that, what's that 80 bucks a month? I don't, you know, I don't want that. I, w- I would rather have my four and five eighths. Um, those guys are a little bit frustrated. If you just walk through the door and you're like, hey, rates are going up. Today it's less than five. Here's what your payment is on that. They're like, man, houses are expensive, but that's not bad. The rate's not all the focus. So it just depends on where you walk into the game at, whether or not you're really frustrated with recent increases or satisfied with still a sub five rate. Yeah, you. I feel like that conversation's been going on for a while now where the people who are really engaged have this recent memory of... 4 and 3% and even 2% right. interest rates and the people who are either less engaged or who have more experience, you know, 15, 20, 30 years experience in real estate purchasing, um, they have a different perspective on it. Yeah. The, the people who are just not as engaged and just walk in the door today, man, eh, that sounds good. You know, I've heard rates are, are historically low. That sounds good to me. <laughs> and then there's the people who, you know, want to remind you of what rates were around the eighties or whatever, you know, they, they have a different perspective also. So if you were one of the smarty pants <laughs> that got your three and a quarter, 30 year fix a few years ago, good for you. You're standing back grinning ear to ear now as what you've got several hundred dollars a month cheaper than what folks would be getting it for today. Um, and at the same time, if you're one of the folks that's coming in at five today hey man guess what you're gonna love a refi in a few years it's gonna lower your payments can make you so happy you're gonna get you know oh just so happy to be a part of a good refi where you can save a half or a whole percent and um so that's coming for you you're just gonna have to slug away a couple years at a a rate close to five you know i'll tell you one of the good things about rates moving higher is oh, I'm ready. I'm for ready. The, for the frivolous spenders, and we know they're out there because we saw it happen where people just used home equity as their their way to afford a you know vacations and yeah a jet boat that lake that the mobile home out at the lake i tell you what those people with that mentality have probably are thinking twice before they pull cash out of the out of the house and take their rate from a three and a half to a four five percent rate so i mean that could kind of at least pump the brakes um for people who are thinking about doing something like that I don't know, man. Which I don't think is a bad thing. I don't know. <laughs> here's the here's the trouble. This is where the the allure is of this whole process is if you go haul out fifty thousand bucks on a cash out refi or fifty thousand bucks, better yet, on a line of credit, an interest only line of credit, one of those sweet ones where you're not even actually paying it back, you're just treading water with it. The payment on that fifty thousand bucks is probably only 150 bucks a month, the required minimum payment, maybe 170 bucks a month. It's really low. If you wanted to buy that Beamer or that motorhome or that wake boat, whatever it is you're after, uh, that $50,000 could cost you six or 700 bucks a month. So the True. fact that you can just smooth this pup out over 30 years, whew, hmm. I go interest only. Oh, come on. Houses are going up 8% a year. I was reading an article this morning just talking about how California, just dependable 8% a year. 
And I look back over the last handful of years and I'm like, yeah, depending on what segment of the market you're in, probably has been about 8% a year. Um, awesome. Ca- just cashing it in. I agree with you, though. I don't think there's a lot of people that are just going to be coming around just to take out frivolous things. And, um, you know, this year we've seen a few loan programs that are um, helping people do cash out for some things that makes it a little more palatable, like student loan cash outs are treated like a rate and term if you're paying off student loans. I'm not going to say that's the right thing to do for everybody, um, but... In some cases, that can be really smart. You know, for example, one of my really good friends, six years, I think, at Cal Poly, maybe seven, and then MIT ended up with just student loans. And and he wasn't a very, like, he's an engineer, right? One of the smartest people I know. Wasn't very good at keeping track of all of where what was happening with all of it. Um the rules of engagement may have changed now too. I've been out of school for a long time. I remember when I started in school, one of the financial aid counselors told me, take your student loans from the same place every time. It makes a consolidation like a no-brainer really easy. So my buddy, what happened to him was he had loans with like six or seven different banks and you could only consolidate like bank to like bank. So he ended up in this spot where minimum debt service on these unconsolidated student loans was like $1,100 a month. And if you could roll it all together, if he just could have, it would have been $250 a month, which would have been way easier to stomach, right? Um, Wasn't an option for him because the way the rules were. And And again, I don't know if those have changed to this point, but doing one of these cash out loans for the student loan payoff, um, that can be a good reason to do a, a a refi, maybe even into a slightly higher rate. If you're, if it all made a lot of sense, you'd want to analyze it, make sure you're doing the right thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, debt consolidation in general, um, never a really big fan of making uh short term debt, long term debt, taking a four or five year loan into a 30 year mortgage. But sometimes if you're drowning, your quality of life sucks and there's absolutely no light at the end of the tunnel, sometimes tapping into the house is the right way to do it. Um, But also, though, what about solar? You know, there's a couple of clever liens out there for solar and then sometimes doing it in the mortgage is still or a line of credit is still a right way to do it. Um, if you're paying three or 400 bucks a month for solar or for electric, and that's just going to continue to go up sometimes doing a refi to pay off solar, um, or buy solar could be a a good deal. Yeah. There's some reasons to do it, but just old willy nilly. Yeah. I'm gonna get 20 grand in the lower rate. What's your take on this thing that they're trying to get solar into all new houses? Isn't there a rule? You know, I feel I, like development developers are already doing that anyway. I think yeah. they That's were. A sales point. I think they were too. Um, and it's a bummer. It's a talking point, right? Mm-hmm. Why? Why did it make the news at all? I'll tell you why it made the mm-hmm. news. It's making California homes that are already expensive and, and unaffordable even more expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time. This is not a new concept. I feel like mm-hmm. the law the the law is just catching up with reality. Well, but we've used new construction. Mm-hmm. I mean, wait for one of them though. One of them is going to be a resale has to have solar. That's got to be coming at some point too. Yeah. Think about new construction. 
Um, that's been the opportunity to put in low flow toilets. Yeah. So you know they've they've used new construction and then resales to some degree too, where they could demand a little inexpensive retrofit. They've used that to mm-hmm. kind of progress along, making homes a little bit more environment environmentally friendly. Mm-hmm. And and I mean I I got to tell you, um, I personally think that. Um, the whole movement of everybody trying to figure out how to just drain a little bit less and pollute a little bit less and carbon a little bit less mm-hmm. is probably the the right thing to do. Yeah. I'm generally a low government kind of guy, but the things I do want my government to do is keep me safe. Mm-hmm. And I would count that as one of the things, you know, especially mm-hmm. not that we want to get in this whole big discussion about power, but with PG and yeah. E going offline. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there there places you can already look in California on big draw days when your nuke plant's gone. Guess what they do? Yeah, they burn some dirty energy to get everybody running. So, yeah. I, I think it's a it's a move in the right direction. Yeah, it makes it more expensive, but at the same time, then it's like, well, um, you know, then maybe you have to look to the existing inventory rather than a new home sale if you can't afford the home that's. Mm-hmm was uh mandated to have a a in, you know factory installed solar on it so i don't know i think you could make the argument either way we even had a show a few several months ago where the about the roofing tiles yeah yeah maybe. Mm-hmm. where Remember that guy that came on about the roofing and yeah, he's talking about uh, they would have some sort of solar. Well, Tesla well, said they were going to have yeah, a whole roof Elon that Musk would be has one that's more attractive because that's been one of the big knocks on solar is that you have these big ugly panels, and so they rolled out. I think it was last year a concept of uh, they. I mean, they looked like the comp shingles or the little tile shingle type things, right? Where they were just well, and the big claim together. was that in pretty short time that this would be more affordable than even installing a conventional roof. So you probably wouldn't have... I don't doubt that. Well, it hasn't come out really to that degree yet. So maybe it's still coming. But at some point when it's mass produced, I mean, it's it can be sure. done, you know, when it's done on scale, it could be much more affordable. Yeah. And I don't think it's a bad... I mean, I'm kind of a proponent of if you can do it, if you can make something you know, environmentally more, I, but I don't know whether sure. it's, I, I think about this with a lot of things, like a lot of plastic stuff. I'm yeah. like, well, they make these biodegradable plastic bags. Why are we making any kind of bag that's not biodegradable anymore? What's the point? You know, <laughs> and the same thing. I mean, if we have these, if, if we can truly get solar panels to be more because affordable people, than that, why not do them? It's, yeah, yeah I, I was I was watching a Shark problem. Tank the other day where they were kind of talking about somebody's idea was that pizza box, like the takeout pizza box that was perforated to bl- break into um, like plates. Oh yeah, did you see that? I think I have seen that one. Well, and then all the like you know Debbie Downers, the sharks are up there going, yeah, but y- you know we've done pizza stuff in the past, and the deal is is that that cardboard box, if it costs even a penny more, nobody'll do it because you know they're that that's eaten into your margin and yada yada. I like that's probably half the problem um, until it's made full on like government illegal or it's totally shunned by the consumer base. Most of the time, you're going to see the company that is willing to continue producing 
the cheaper product that you know is more detrimental to the environment or whatever but you know that's a nice thing about being a consumer you have you have some stake in that what you buy what you what you want to support how you um you know how your lifestyle contributes to the plastic island floating <laughs> floating out in the ocean um i don't know all right we well, got to do a commercial break we've been talky talky got we're a whole half hour in already. Can you believe that? Boy. All right. Well, we take a commercial break here, take some time out to thank the sponsors that helped make the show possible. If it wasn't for them, you'd be having to pay right now. So uh, lend them an ear, and when we get back, we'll have another uh, half-hour run here at Mortgage Matters. Stay with Mortgage us. Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. With trade wars escalating, the market is seeing some serious volatility. Are you nervous? With banks not paying anything on their CDs, where can you put short-term funds for decent growth? Look no further than Century Financial Consultants. We have a new five-year guarantee product paying 3.6%. This product is tax-deferred unlike a traditional CD, and your rates won't change like an indexed annuity. You're guaranteed. Contact Matt at Century Financial Consultants today at 805-324-7914. That's 324-7914. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso Robles, Morro Bay, Atascadero, San Luis Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. everybody welcome back <laughs> i saw the the um, oceana melodrama 
melodrama down there. Uh-huh. When they were doing the vaudeville review, it was this kind of music, and it just it's been in my head for for a couple of weeks now. This '40s music, amazing. Awesome. Yeah, got staying power. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, will Nicki Minaj still be around sixty years from now? God, I hope not. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know. I really hope not. Yeah, you know, but this will. This is crazy, isn't it? What, what did you say? Forty years from now? Oh gosh, this is uh, nineteen. You really meant like seventy. Seventy years from now, yeah. Eighty years from now, yeah. This is nineteen forty. <laughs> I saw a picture. Yeah, I saw a picture on the Facebook the other day. It was like. Found a picture of my Gramps when he was young, mm-hmm. and Gramps is just like, I mean, five-piece suit put yeah. up, just looking just Serious looking face. so good. Yeah, just looking like like a million bucks, right? Yeah. Then, and then it's like, found a picture of my Grandpa back in 2018, <laughs> and he's yeah. like, you know, got like the Bieber hair with tattooed uh-huh. neck and like smoking a, um, <laughs> a vape, you know, a vape <laughs> pen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, crazy. Yeah, uh, <laughs> some ratty beard. You ain't gonna find any pictures of me like that. I'll tell you what. <laughs> Funny oh. thing is, is that you know, uh, people take so many pictures now, but they're like they're on these electronic devices, and um, I of course I've always known this was the hazard, right? As if you lose something where they're all stored, then you've lost them. Yeah. I had uh had them all on a computer and then backed them up to an external hard drive and then um the external hard drive was getting to the point where it was like 10 or 11 years old. And so I'm like, you know, it's probably time to move that to one of the new, cause you know, it was the glass disc hard drive, one good drop and it's done. So I was like, it's probably time to move it over to the static hard drive. So this is probably like three years ago. Um, so I pull out the, the old external glass disc and I pull out the solid state and I'm getting all lined up and I plug the thing in and, uh, what's that smell what's that smell Mm. and the the old hard drive is now just literally like catching on fire on the desk so it's destroyed totally gone lost like this seven years worth of pictures of the kids when they were little um so yeah anyway the probably just won't even be very many pictures around anybody's grandpa from 2018 anyway (laughs) back when you were a strapping 20 year old with your jewel I don't know. All right, let's get back to some seriousness. You were talking about conversations with realtors this week? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, hearing it all. I'm hearing it all. Here's a good question for you. Well, let's start Let's start here first. Dan, do you own any Bitcoin? I don't. Why not? I don't either. I don't know. I don't either, but why not? I don't know. I got to look at Because the, it goes from 18,000 to 6,000 as quickly as it goes up. <laughs> it's at 8,300 today. Yeah, it's been stuck there for a while. Yeah. I don't know why they make that a prominent feature on CNBC. It's frustrating. Ever right? since it ran up to whatever its high was, 18,000, it's yeah. been like a featured you know thing they have the bottom line where the stocks are just whizzing across and then there's like this other little bubble that's just staying there for 
hours on end of Bitcoin. Right. I don't care enough about why is Bitcoin getting more attention than all these other long lasting stocks? I don't know. But here's a question. Here's a question I got this week. Can I use my Bitcoin for down payment? No. Technically, no. Though if you source it appropriately, it could be liquidated into U.S. dollar that then is usable for your down payment. Let me, let me ask you something here about Bitcoin <laughs> and all these digital currencies. Fair. I mean, this is just electronic money, right? Uh, it's cryptocurrency. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. What is it? I mean, it's, it's not money you put in your wallet. It's electronic money, right? Sure. Is that good? Yeah. Yeah. What about when I'm able to like pay my utility bills by going on the computer and entering the amount or my phone for that matter and putting the amount from my bank that I want to pay the utility bill or the mortgage or the credit card how is that not just electronic money? It is. Okay. However... How is Bitcoin going to replace that extremely convenient feature of my the electronic money I already have? Dan... <laughs> Uh, so I'm no I'm no expert on cryptocurrency. Like I said, I don't own any. I've never mined any. Mm -hmm. I do like to read some of the articles, and I talk to some of my friends that um, you know do believe that Bitcoin's like w w the cat's meow. But um, to answer your question, probably one of the first things we'd have to establish is that what you're talking about is the U.S. currency. You're talking yeah. about trading and working in dollars and being subject to the fiat currency that it is with with its you know all of those potential problems and the just printing of the money and the inflation and the the lack of uh we've seen some wild swings in the value of bitcoin and doesn't it get um well here's the thing about bitcoin to market to the dollar anyway <laughs> Isn't that how we measure the value it can, of Bitcoin? It can, it <laughs> how can. many dollars it's worth? Yeah, <laughs> it, it, well, it can be converted really to any currency. But um, you know, the the thing about Bitcoin that's interesting is that it, if it's just a commodity, there's a finite amount of Bitcoin that can ever be in circulation, and I think that's probably the biggest fueler of what's going on with the value is that at some point, and I mean, I, I, if Wes Burke is listening, he might even call us dude smart on this stuff. I mean, as smart as you can be when you're investing in this wizardry money. Um, but some of these people believe that a Bitcoin has potential, a single Bitcoin has potential to be worth a half a million dollars when all is said and done, and maybe even more. Um, from back in the day, that's a far cry from when Bitcoins were worth uh, three cents a piece, right? Yeah. So it's come a long way, going a long way. You know, of course, there's all of these. Now you have the speculation that's pushing it around a little bit. But um, anyhow, tying it back to why I first brought it up is that um, if you're trying to use Bitcoin as a basis for a down payment or any other cryptocurrency for that matter, um, a digital currency is not an eligible asset. However, um, if you can source it correctly, so you have a deposit into your bank account in U.S. dollars of you know whatever it is, five, ten, twenty grand, however much it is, 
and then you have an evidence of the ownership of the Bitcoin, an evidence of the liquidation of the Bitcoin, and then the basis of conversion into U.S. dollars, um, then it could be counted. That's weird. I think of it just like any stock. It's something that goes up and down on a daily basis. I mean, it's on the same channel that... Yeah, the we can, other I stocks mean, are that get reported, or? and obviously we it's on the same <laughs> channel where they talk about they the, talk about GE and Pfizer and Bitcoin. I mean, isn't it just a stock that you can invest in? I ran into a guy this week who showed me his, you know, whatever his money market account that was in or his account that was invested in bitcoins and did different digital currencies. That's wild, right? So, and it just had a value. So, isn't it? Well, how's it any different? How much money did he have in there? Was it like all of his investment accounts? No. no. Picturing like, you know these people are out there, but they took and like converted a, they had $100,000 in miscellaneous investment accounts and they just converted it all to Bitcoin. Could you imagine? Like I, I would need to just go dark to just not be seeing the radical fluctuations. I don't even really like to log into my 401k very often where like I log in and I'm like, oh, neat. I'm negative year to date on my, you know, like I've given them, I've given them more money this year now than, than I actually have. That's fun. But Bitcoin, I was talking to Wes one day when it was like the week that the Bitcoin was at like 18,000. I'm like, you sold all of that crap, right? <laughs> He's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I do that? It's at 18,000. And I'm like, because it, uh, it doubled. <laughs> it's, it's like <laughs> more than doubled in value. That's like, take your money and go home. That's like, that's like hitting the double zeros straight up on the roulette wheel. Do not put the stack back on the double zeros. Take your money and go home. Anyway, he ends up, you know, not not liquidating it. And so, you know, I was I just like to give him a tough time. I called him and ribbed him a little bit when it was twelve and I owe him another call now that it's eight. Wes, if you're listening, call us and tell us why Bitcoin's such a good investment and why you shouldn't sell when it like goes up that high. So I too this week had a conversation about or with with realtors, but my conversation was more about Home values. Ooh. Home values that seem to just have there they, is no top. Have they <laughs> right? peaked? Is that what right. we're discussing? Yeah. I found myself really having uh that debate. Um wondering. My neighbors my, my neighbor put his house up for sale. Ooh. And put it on the market for it's a three bedroom, two bath. How many square feet? Fifteen ninety square feet. Okay. Um, two car garage. How close to you? Uh, right next to me. The little brick yard one? No, behind me. Oh, behind you? Yeah. Downhill? And um, it, they put it on the market for six forty five. dollars What? $645,000. And it was right at like $405 a square foot, which is actually kind of, that's below the you know, the median for Morro Bay. Morro Bay has been more like Who's representing these guys? Uh, that one was listed by Donna Davies. Okay. And, um, I mean, they. I'll cut to the end. Love her, by the way. The, She's uh, awesome. They, got, they accepted an offer before day 14. Okay. And had, I, 
I, I actually scheduled, they required a 24 hour notice to get in and see the property. So I actually scheduled a time to go see it. Cause one, I was always just, I'm nosy. I'm curious to see what was going on. With Most house. open houses are a nosy neighbor. Just wanting to come and yeah. see what you got going on inside. I mean, I've looked at the house for 15 years and I said, man, if I ever had that house, this is what I'd do. anyway, so I want to just go look at it. And I was just I was just curious about it. So I, I go in there and check it out. And they I was notified the morning of my five PM viewing appointment that they had an accept they had accepted an offer. And I was like, Huh. Wow. That's must have been a really good offer. Knowing that somebody's made an appointment. Less than two weeks into this process and there's an at least one other viewing appointment scheduled, they didn't even wait for that person to come into the home and look at it. They already accepted an offer. So yeah, reading between the lines, uh, the realtor that I was working with and, um, and I, we both agreed that, wow, that must have been a full price offer or darn close you to You know it. what that, you have to track these things for a while because no one will tell you today what the deal is. It's got to close, right? But you know what it is, is most of the time in my experience is it's a buyer that comes in at full price or even a little over with a, and you got to take it today. It expires at midnight. Oh, and interesting. Yeah, because they don't want you to be able to sit on it and let two more people walk through. Right. They just Do like the wrap three it day up. response time. So, yeah, because interesting. Because how many times, I mean, and you've seen this in commercial real estate too, as we've tried to negotiate things on our own, but you look at this and stuff and you're like, what are they thinking? Why would they not wait for me or at least call and say, hey, yo, we got to. We have an offer right now. Yeah, and you, you want to get yours in, sight unseen? Yeah, or <laughs> or just, hey, heads up. Like, you need to know what you're up against. And and I got to tell you, if I'm the selling agent, um, I want to do that for my seller. Right. I want to do that for my seller if it means that you call, you know, that appointment that's coming later today and just say, hey, there's an offer that we have, you know, we're likely going to accept. And does that... I'm I'm not trying to pressure you, but does that do anything for you? Yeah. Um, but also, I feel like if I'm the seller, I want that maximum exposure, right? What was extremely interesting to me was leading up to that viewing appointment, I was having some major internal struggle with the value of that home. Because you thought it was too low? Uh, no. I did. I mean, I'll say that I, I kind of, after days and days of debate, um, I, I came to the conclusion that I thought it was a fair price, but this thing needed some work. I mean, yeah. there's, if it's the one, the, the inside was clean. The inside is very but clean. Outdated, but clean. Um, I wouldn't even, I would say not necessarily outdated, just not necessarily the highest quality finishes. I would say middle of the road, uh, maybe five to 10 years updated and just, you know, I it was it was clean inside. Nothing fancy, but nothing needing a tremendous amount of work inside. But on the outside was where I mean the home could probably really use a paint job if for nothing else just to update the color. The colors are kind of like it's like brown on brown. Uh-huh. Um so it kind of has that 80s tracked home vibe to me. Um it has some dry rot issues with the eaves. It needs a new roof like 10 years ago. Um, so there's some things I, I saw a couple reports that had roots in a drain that was going to cost three to five grand to fix. 
Um, it had a couple of other issues that so you're, needed. So you're kind of thinking issues. that this place is a little bit of a fixer with some deferred maintenance issues. A little issues. bit, and mostly exterior. Jim, can you mute your mic? Thanks. Um, so it, I just, I, I kind of felt like the price was high given the repairs. Like I thought that the price was fair if it didn't need those things. Sure. Anyway, so I'm sitting here struggling and struggling and then lo and, you know, while I'm struggling with the value here, they're accepting an offer when they've got other viewing scheduled. Right. And it's just crazy to me. It's, it's really interesting how this market's working. Cause I'm, I'm like, at some point we have to reach a top, right? This is, <laughs> it seems like with rates going up and loans becoming less affordable with each day passing, um, there's got to just be a point where homes, I, I get that the demand outweighs supply, but at some point people just can't afford these homes. Like I, I was talking to two first time home buyers this week and both of them, their budgets were kind of capping out around 500 or 550. And here we are $650,000, which is kind of like the bottom of the For barrel in Morro Bay. Yeah. With a house needing some work. Um, it's, it's just interesting to me that it. I keep wondering where's that top? Well, it's not here. <laughs> that was clear to me this week. It's not. It's not yeah. at six forty-five on a three-bedroom, two-bath, sixteen-hundred square foot in Morro Bay. Right. Dang. Well, there's probably a premium just to be your neighbor. Maybe. Maybe. All right. Let's take a phone call. We got Tom calling from Slow. Tom. Good morning. Welcome to the show. I've got an important comment to home sellers. Okay. Great. Especially right now, going into a very strong selling season with great weather and all that someone comes through with an offer that has a deadline on it, like tonight at midnight or tomorrow night at midnight or something like that, the terms better be cash mm-hmm. in a bag, unmarked <laughs> bills. Prefer- <laughs> I mean, come on. That, that, cause that's, it's so hard to launder that up, money back into up, the, the system. Opportunity cost you're giving up to market your house to some clown who's got smoke and mirrors going on is amazing and a lot of unsophisticated sellers will bite yeah you know and that's why you need a good agent right um and you know i i tell people this all the time too is uh, market value is whatever a, a ready willing and able buyer is willing to pay right well you get two of those guys competing with one another and you can get some real action um and, you know, it's kind of funny, like hearing Dan say this, his downhill neighbor is selling a home where um, you're a little unconventional, dude. Usually you're like, this house is worth way more. That's going to sell for a lot more. That's undervalued because you, you you have a dog in the fight, right? So you're calm. Sure. Um, I think oftentimes people um, don't really have a realistic expectation. And if you don't let it sit in the market long enough, how do you know what you're doing? It's kind of like the fisherman that like throws, throws a hook over and, and then moves every 10 minutes. I see that guy, he, you know, he's on the go. I think if you're going to sell, yeah, I, I wouldn't be quick to jump on one of those respond by today, by midnight things. Um, I would want to get a little bit of room. I, um, I think I shared this story a month or so ago. One of my good buddies, um, he's finally in escrow now. We wrote some offers, had a tough time locking down a house. One of the homes that came on in Paso, he loved it, was like four seventy nine. He wrote a same day. I think it was on the market for like two or three days, but he saw it. He wrote a same day, full price, four seventy nine. Let me get it. Like, I'm done. I love it. It's perfect for me and my family. Um, the sellers came back and said... You know, we've had so much interest and so much excitement that we're going to wait and respond on Wednesday. 
Mm-hmm. So and this and this was like uh, Friday. So they want to go through the weekend, get a couple days into the week. They wanted to encourage everybody to come forward with their highest and best offer, even though they already an offer. Essentially, bid against yourself now too, um, and try to get a little bit more time. We thought, being on the on the buyer side of that, we thought that's kind of dirty. That 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 feels underhanded. And but on the seller side, you may not be winning the popularity contest, but you're getting a maximum soak, right? You're going to see uh, as I, many I, people that might want to buy and might be interested. And you know what? He lost out. It sold for more. So they, if you're the seller, you did the right thing, right? Getting a few more days on the market. Well, I've got to make a point. Please do. Okay, you get. I think both you guys went to B school. B school. Is that is that uh, Cal Poly school? Uh, we went to Cal you're Poly. From, <laughs> yeah, you're familiar. You're familiar with the term opportunity cost. Sure. Uh-huh. Sure. Okay. Right now, the selling season is red hot. We're in a red hot market. There's value there. That in itself has value. If someone needs an offer accepted, like in hours or in days, and they have a deadline. There's a value to that. There's a premium. I don't know. What is it? Ten grand, twenty grand, a hundred grand? I have no idea. But there's a value there. And often they try and behave as if there is no value to that. Sure. sure. I agree. And you know, I've That's- also seen it on the seller side too, where the sellers are like, ah, uh, you know. I don't want to do open house. I don't want everybody stomping through my house. I really don't want to be bothered. I don't want to have to clean up on a Tuesday for a Wednesday morning showing. So I just don't want to be inconvenienced by this whole thing. And so they're pretty happy to get somebody that comes in and wants this short, quick thing, you know. But I just am not convinced that that's how you get your highest dollar. And, I, Tom, I think you're spot on <laughs> in terms of there's a value to that, and it should be um, – if you're the seller, yeah, get it. That's that's what that's what that if is. If you can, yeah. If, if um, you can get it, yes, I but applaud it's a, that effort. It's but a poker if, game too, if, though, I mean, if right? You're the, but if you're the seller, I mean, if you're the buyer, I applaud that effort to try and and you know nail it down. But if you're the seller, don't be adult. You have something, especially right now. If we're talking December, well, it's a different story. Yeah. Yeah, it seems pretty easy to call that bluff in today's market with demand just far outweighing supply. You can so a, 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 I'm, yeah, I'm sure, any buyer can come in and say, "I got a midnight deadline." Hey, I've I've exercised <laughs> this strategy. Bye-bye. Thanks, Tom. Right, thanks, thanks Tom. I've exercised this strategy as a buyer. But here's the funny thing: um, here I am. I I've been to your home. I like it. I want it. I want it enough to offer you this money in contract. You can just accept my terms, and we're we're in contract. Um, and then, but I want it. But I, but I, what I don't want is for you to to leave me hanging. I don't want to. I don't want to go three days on the market while we let somebody come behind me with more money. So I need you to know that if you can't take me right away, I'm a flight risk. But the funny thing is, is that emotionally, as a buyer, I want it. I, I, I'm moving in in my mind. I want it. Yes, I'm 600 grand. I, I Yes, I want this yeah. home. So what happens if they let it expire? And then the next day they come back and they go, okay, 
Yeah, you had some verbiage in there about me, giving me till midnight, but here we are on the next day, and I'm counter-offering you. Right. Now, they can't just accept my offer at that point, because my offer had that written in there that if, hey, if you don't take it by tonight at midnight, um, I can't be bound to it. So now the next day, they come back, and they go, oh, that was a good offer. You had some words in there about midnight, whatever, but if you go 10 grand more, it's yours. So you go, well... I want to go 10 grand less or I'll go five grand more, whatever you're doing. Now you're kind of playing this game where you, you know, did you want it or didn't you want it? Um, the only other time I think that that's an interesting strategy, and this is probably where the realtors just talk, is what if there are two homes that say you and your partner love? I love this house. I love this house. You prefer that one. I prefer this one. We both could be happy in either. We're not just, you can't float two offers out at full price. So you got to go, okay, well, I, I can't let B house sit there um, and, and just, I mean, I'm going to lie awake all weekend long if these guys take until Tuesday to respond to me. So uh, go until you got until Friday, tell me what's up, because if not, I'm making a run at this other one. Um, I see that as like a, a reasonable um, reason to put a time frame like that on an offer. But at the same time, again, that's why I think the realtors, they're going to hop on the phone together. Hey, what's your strategy? Why is your guy doing this? Um, and in that same in that maybe they said, well, that's why my guy's 10 grand over asking. And you, sure, you could not respond or you could try whatever it is you think is your best approach, but you just got to know that um, you might lose that 10 grand. You know, th that's that premium like Tom's describing. So at the end of the day, the fun thing about it is, is, is it's poker. You got people with different motivations. They do things for different reasons. Their strategies may or may not be effective at accomplishing exactly what they're trying to do, but it's a little bit of a poker game. Yeah. And then once you're emotionally involved, like it's your house you're selling or it's my house that I already envisioned myself living in, there's, it becomes an emotional component to it as well. All right, that's the first hour down. Um, there's lots more to talk about. I still want to talk more about that listing, Dan. I got some more insight for you. Um, let's go to our five-minute commercial break here. We'll be back for another whole hour of Mortgage Matters. Hope you guys will stick around. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your host, Dan and Jason, from Central Coast Lending. Welcome back to Mortgage Matters. We got a whole nother hour. Dan and I just talked through our entire break. I was barely able to get another cup of coffee. It's funny. You, it'd be good to have, you know, mics away when we can just, when we're just talking because we're, we're having 
a dialogue that I think is valuable. I mean, we could do like what they do on ESPN when they're watching like a baseball game or something. And like, you know, they got the manager mic'd up. Right. Or they got the player mic'd up. And we should do that where we just have some cut ins to our mic'd up off air stuff. That'd be that'd be exciting. So Dan and I <laughs> Dan and I are both Cal Poly alum, been in town here forever. Um this stage in life we're in a similar era. Our kids are a little bit different age, but you know, we got got the wife, three kids, Dan got the wife and two kids homeowners, um, working in the mortgage business, owning a mortgage company, been um, hooked into this real estate cycle since way back when, um, and gaining enough gray hairs now that I can actually say I've seen a cycle. (laughs) I almost kind of feel like I've seen the extremes of two cycles. And um, yeah, so we're we're out there and we're talking, kind of trading a couple quick war stories about some people we know and talking about how, man, today's first time homebuyer in Slow County, guess what? Thirty five hundred bucks a month. Got it. Want a little want a little nicey four grand a month. Better be ready for it. It's what it takes to own here. And um yeah, you find a couple things that are a skosh cheaper, but Unless you've got big down payment, you got gift funds, you got dad backing you with a couple hundred grand. Nah, you're you're gonna walk through the door and find out that what it takes to buy the average house in the average neighborhood in Central Coast of California, thirty two hundred bucks a month. Welcome to the dance. Could be more. Have trouble scraping into that lower level. Um, people go, well, how about a condo? Okay. Yeah, condo, condo going to save you a couple fees. hundred bucks a month <laughs> in the P&I because you're borrowing less, but then we got to add 400 bucks a month for HOA right back there. Um, not to mention you own a condo where they're they're pissed off at you because you tried to change your oil in the driveway, which is a necessity now because you pay 3500 bucks a month <laughs> for your house. You can't afford to go for $100 oil change, so you got to stop off at AutoZone and get yourself some sale oil and a filter. Anyway, I digress. Um, so we're talking about housing. Like, where does it go? What do we do? Um, what's the breaking point? And where do people just look up and go, I can't. I, I can't afford that. I won't afford that. I Maybe I could. I'm not willing to sacrifice it all for right. that. And got to say, um, part of the basis of this conversation about the people that are really in a spot enough to say, I, I won't. I'm not going to. That's probably because you have a pretty secure, good deal on rent. Um, if you need to go join, if you're one of the unfortunate few where you get the the landlord says, hey, we're not renewing your lease this time because I'm going to move back into it or I'm going to sell it or I'm going to give it to my kids or whatever. Um, if, you, if you have a job and a family, some kids going to school, you know, you got a lot going on. We're busy, right? Everybody's so busy. It's hard to have any spare time anymore. Picture being told that, like, on top of all that, it's move time. Okay, it's move time, and you have until July, end of July, July 31st, Dan, you got to be out of your house. Okay, um, I guess I should get pre approved. Maybe I should consider buying. Um, at the same time, I should probably start to get my finger on what it looks like to rent somewhere. Uh, renting in Slow County right now, nightmare. So busy, so booked. And it's expensive. Oh, and you have two dogs. Later, right. bro. Yeah, good luck. You got any pet. You gotta hawk your dogs. Yeah. 
It's pretty incredible. It's crazy. You can become working homeless in our town just because of the scarcity of availability to be able to find something. I mean, I've seen it happen. You you started this with, you know, what are the breaking points of this rapidly appreciating market? Well, I think one breaking point potentially is when the cost, the monthly cost to own is far greater than the monthly cost to rent. But we're yeah. not quite seeing that yet. When the normal mortgage payment is anywhere between three and four grand a month anymore, you know, that's what we're seeing. Three and four grand a month is kind of where most buyers are finding their, their mortgage payment. Well, you look in San Luis Obispo, I mean, it's more than $1,000 a bedroom. So, you know, we're talking the average homes, that three bedroom home, that's upwards of three grand a month. Um, I was told that home that I looked at in Morro Bay, which again, Clean, but basic inside and needed a little work outside. I call that, that, I call that renter grade. Renter grade, totally. Um, that one I was told by, that, by the realtor that it would rent for probably around $900 a bedroom, so about $2,700 a month. Yeah. Uh, uh, you were sharing with me a three-bedroom three bedroom home, older home in uh, Atascadero area, Santa Margarita, $3,000 a month. Easy. I mean, so and, and going to get a bunch of apps on day one. So if that breaking point is a huge disparity between rents and what it would cost to own that same home, we're not we haven't reached that great disparity yet. Yeah, and these in these raises the rising interest rates are going to um, bring that out a little bit, I think, because as rates go up, typically the people that own these investment properties, they their financing is pretty well locked in. So they're not going to be experiencing increasing costs. So probably doesn't track just right spot on. I mean, it's going to have a trailing relationship to some degree as the cost of ownership increases for home buyers. You're just going to see that continue to go on. But, um, you know, so yeah, I agree, Dan. I, I Just on a flyby, and this is just, this is just somebody that's talking this stuff um, every day all around the county. San Luis, I think it's pretty accepted in the market down here. It's about twelve hundred bucks a bedroom now. Um, sounds like Morro Bay. It's probably the probably one of the parts of the county where I have the um, the least real because you guys are low volume. We just lower volume on sales. It for doesn't sure. flip around a lot, so I don't meet a lot of home buyers that are going in there. Just it's a lower volume market, but okay. So, but a realtor, this is a realtor with thirty years of Morro Bay experience. Grew up in Morro Bay, yeah. yeah. And he's saying nine hundred bucks a bedroom. Yeah. Okay. And from my own research, uh, I would have said eight hundred all day, every day. He thought it could go to nine. You guys are splitting hairs yeah, because if you need much. a place for your family and two dogs, hundred bucks a month is not making that decision for you. Mm-hmm. Um, two, three hundred bucks a month for two, three bedroom house. Uh, a Tascadero, yeah, eight hundred to a thousand, depending on the neighborhood and the quality of the house per bedroom, no problem. So it's expensive, but like I said, one of the challenges is, um, if you're on a timeline, now all of a sudden you're like, you know, I'm. Would you move into an apartment if you just had to? Yeah, you probably would if you had to. But but you're so I mean, how long has it been since you've lived in an apartment? You don't you know, that you don't want to have to do that. You don't want to do that, but um it's it gets to that point for some people. So yeah, it's a it is it's a crazy seller's market right now. It's why we see these prices continue to soar. 
Um, it's really expensive. One of the things that I was going to say to you about that house that you're um, that we keep talking about that's in Morro Bay downhill from you is um, when you're looking at price per square foot, and I th- maybe some people know this, maybe this is just helpful for others that are still trying to wrap their head around how price per square foot relates to different properties in their market. Usually the smaller the home, you're going to be at the top end of that price per square foot. Mm-hmm. Then when you get into the much larger home, which I got to say in a Tascadero, when we start talking something bigger than 2,400 square feet, once you start moving, and, and I think in Morro Bay, you guys have, like there's homes uphill from you that are probably four or 5,000 square feet. There's some big yeah, houses Yeah, because they're on this grade and have multiple levels. So and- when you start looking at those, those are tough because they've got coastal views that are unparalleled. But right. usually when you start to get well above the average um, size home, the price per square foot is going to fall quite a bit. So um, I would venture to say that 1,600 square feet in your area of Morro Bay is probably about middle of the road. Maybe, I'd say that's the average home. Yeah, and maybe on the low side of yeah. average, but probably pretty close to average. So that's kind of easy. Pull up the average price per square foot, lay that puppy on there. Um, you mentioned that there was a vacation rental permit attached to that property. That probably has some real value for somebody um, that maybe wants to move the Can you move the permits in Morro Bay? I don't know. So it could be that, you know. So anyhow, that that was – it'll be exciting to see in a month. Did you throw it in your calendar to, like, watch it again when it sells? Um, Keeping a close eye. I put these things in my calendar because I always want to circle back. When I see or hear something like that, I'm like, whoa, okay, I'll make a couple notes because a month from now, this will be blurry with a bunch of other transactions since then. But I like to look back and say, what did you do? Why did you do that? Did it work? And then sometimes you're like, okay. And then sometimes you're like, whew, I don't know. So, um, yeah, the I, I was meeting with a guy yesterday that has um, – He's going to have a challenge converting from renter to owner because he got he has a smoking deal. He has like a, f- a four bedroom place um, in slow for twenty one hundred bucks a month. <laughs> so he's wow. he's like he's like going ah ooh salty thirty five hundred bucks a month huh for a VA loan and I'm like yeah and you're getting a smoking deal it's a good, it's such a good deal he should try to sublease his place so that he can afford to buy the new one right <laughs> well he's in one of those situations too though where he's lived there a long time right been there for like ten years um, and he knows he has such a good deal at this point that he doesn't even call right toilet backs up. Yeah. Landlord you don't wanna, is not hearing from you him. You don't want to shake that tree. <laughs> Problem with something? Yeah, I, I got that, you know? Probably within reason. A dude ain't going to re-roof the house. But one of those things where he's got a good setup, and I don't doubt that the tenant on or the landlord on the other end is looking at this tenant going, it's a great guy. Great never guy. Call, he never calls me. I never have to deal with it. It's amazing. <laughs> State employee sends the check every month. Got to imagine there was a problem along the way somewhere. This dude's been unclogging the sink, taking care of business. He said same thing, renter grade house. House was built in 1980 or something and just not touched since. So everything everything in there is probably, you know, just at that point, but um, good enough deal. So those are the, those are the tough things. Um, 
you another thing you said during the break that I just kind of laughed at because I've been going through this with my dad forever is like when you tell dad that your mortgage payment's three grand a month. Yeah. Oh, my dad. Yeah, I mean, he's so much money. Yeah, he just doesn't even understand how someone can pay three thousand dollars a month for a house. Oh. That's ridiculous. How That's do you so even sleep money. at night? Yeah. You must just be laying awake knowing that you're a house of cards, buddy. Yeah. You're like you're like a root canal away from just being done. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of the reality today. And as like we've been discussing, um, especially if you got a family, you need a few bedrooms, guess what? You're you're three grand a month. Easy. No big deal. Um, so I want to circle back to what we were talking about in the very beginning of the show. Um, we were talking about interest rates and the fact that there's the uh, it's all, it's not a hundred percent, but it's like a 98% chance the feds are raising rates, um, at the meeting that's coming up now, less than a month away, the June meeting, um, there's greater than 70% chance for a September meeting, the December meeting, which I think they've raised every December since they began ra- raising for right? about yeah, two or three years in a row now. Um, people wonder if they're going to sneak one in in December. That one's not not close enough yet to be trying to make any firm assurances or not. But the point is, those rate hikes are looking at taking interest rates higher yet from the four. You said four and three quarters. I I got to say, I'm. I think for the average person, you're probably four and seven eighths right now. I, I did. I priced it up while we were talking earlier and the lion's share of the banks we work with are at four and seven eighths today. So we throw a half point on that two rate hikes, half point up five and a half. Is that the breaking point? Is that, you know, is that where people say to heck with it? I'm moving, going to Oregon. I don't know. I mean, as I was having a, a three day debate, internally about the price of this home next to me someone swooped on it faster than i could even reconcile my feelings so it i can't tell you how many times that's happened to me yeah and you know and part of it is just like if it, it, it okay and then here's advice here's advice number b for our <laughs> listeners today that are thinking about getting in the market so a if you want to come to the dance, just brace yourself for 3500 bucks a month unless you're sitting on a mountain of cash you're ready to throw down. A bunch of Bitcoins or something like that. Right. Um, the next one is you don't have time to think about this stuff. You're going to get caught in analysis paralysis where you're sitting there, guts a-churning. Oh, this is that's wild. You know, and, and you, so you think about friends you have that bought a month or two or a year ago or two years ago that got... they. But their house, they paid a hundred grand less. Am I the Huckleberry? Like, is this the peak? Am I the guy that's now just going to come in and just burn a hundred grand? I couldn't help but laugh at my situation because all day, every day, I can I can come here on the radio. I can meet with people in the <laughs> office, and I can argue all day long why demand is driving prices higher and not likely to stop, and not likely to stop. All these reasons why. But when I insert myself into this conversation, all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, hold on here. There, we are the all carried case? away. <laughs> what's the worst? The market case? is carried away. These realtors this is are irrational. Nuts. Oh, this is <laughs> easy. There's no way. And yeah, I, I can psych myself out. But 
I mean, clearly there's there's still a lot of momentum in this market and and yeah, you do have to cozy up to what seems like a pretty high cost to own and you got to make a pretty fast decision yeah. or you're going to lose out. Someone else is ready to go. Well, and here's what here's what happens to like I was talking about my buddy Pete earlier that made that offer up in in Paso and and I thought got kind of played dirty on it. Um, and I think it was off-putting to everybody that was involved in the transaction. But So he wrote offer after offer around town, right? Um, I shouldn't say offer after offer. Enough offers, though, right? And they're in the situation where, you know, like they're currently living in Cambria, but he works in the wine industry over in Paso, right? So he's got a pretty big huck, and he's got a wife and a young child, and um, you know, that's a big commute. It, most of us have a friend that works in the wine industry, right? Sure. Those crush seasons are pretty brutal. A lot of long, hard hours and tacking that commute on whatever. So they, anyhow, they had a plan of getting over here and getting situated for school. Cause they're, they're boys in school and they needed to make that fly. Um, so anyhow, you miss two, three, four, five offers in a row, have a seller play a game on you, like, you know, well, here's a full price offer on day three of your marketing and then get told, oh, we got such a great interest that we're going to wait, you know, five days to review and respond. Um, so guess what happens on that sixth one? That this process, when you're talking about your shelter now, like, see, you were you were really interested in this thing from an investment standpoint. What are the possibilities? You know, I could... Help a variety of things could Thinking have been a really useful flow, thing for you. Sure, yeah, all kinds. Yeah, of like you said, a place, a place maybe to put mom. You know, twenty years from now, and it'd be nice to have her a little bit closer or something. Any of those kind of things. Okay, um, that's a little bit different than when you're just sitting down for shelter. Okay. Um, I need a place to put my family and I have a timeline to do it and I'm running out of time here. Um, and that's where all of a sudden you're just like to heck with it. Boom. Fatty offers. I'm, you start to get disconnected from that money piece of it and you begin to realize like, all right, maybe I am going down in a ball of flames, but I'm out of time. Yeah. I was just sitting here thinking that, um, you know, we spend so much time talking about, the economics of it, the price per square foot, the, you know, the price to own versus price to rent, the year over year rate of appreciation, the How does my take rates. home income change yeah. with my tax write-off? Supply and demand. We're talking all about these, these black and white number types of scenarios, but what we, and, and we do talk about demand, but I think what we don't spend enough time talking about and what's really driving this market is the emotional aspect of the demand and of the scarcity of housing. Sure. It's the emotion. See, I, this is the first house I've even thought about like owning other than the one I already own, you know, in a long time. I've, I, it's not just not been something on my radar because I have a house. Yeah. Um, so this is my first time where I've really had that, that real internal debate about what's this home worth in, in several years but there's other people like what you're describing who they've lost out on four and five and six homes that they've written offers on. So they're at a different emotional point than me who's now just been considering this for three days. 
Right. Right. They're, they've been working on this for four months and lost out six times and had heartbreak six times. They're approaching this newest listing as I am not going to let this one get by me this time. Yeah. You know, there's, there's definitely an evolution to like, ideally my ideal process is in it, If you're listening to this today, here's your first step is come in, get pre-approved. I know there are calculators online. We have some on our website. You can go get a pretty good idea of getting in the wheelhouse or whatever. Um, but look, come in, get pre-approved. Let's start with really proper expectations about um, property taxes and insurance and HOA fees, property types. You know, let's run through the list. A good pre-approval with me or any one of the loan officers at our company is like, we're going to run through it. We're going to spend in our meeting, you know, usually what I like to do is I'd like to have you fill out the loan application on the website. Otherwise we're just kind of wasting each other's time to do it face to face. I'll do it. But the very best thing is you fill it out. I'll then make a request, some documents, do a bunch of homework. And now we sit down together. When we sit down together, this meeting, if, um, if it's going well and you're, you know, you're interested and we're trying to get you ready, um, this is probably an hour to an hour and a half long meeting where we're going to, we probably are, we're pulling up the web, we're looking at some houses, we're kind of crunching numbers, we're setting the groundwork for um, how you review the fee worksheets so you understand at these different price points. Because now once you're out looking, and you're like, hey, I, I, what does this house look like? It, it's 625, and I know that was on top end of my market. So then I give you, hey, here's a fee worksheet. It's what it looks like. Rates changed a little bit since last week. This is what it looks like today. Um, and so I need to give you enough schooling to be able to do that You know, when you're not sitting at my desk. But we go through that whole process. Um, and then you got to get out there. Now you got to go, you got to go through it. It's exciting. It's, it's scary. Um, it's emotional and people all handle that a little bit differently, but I'll tell you what, um, if we had a realtor in here in the room right now, I got to tell you, they, they'd back me up on this. Um, uh, that first time home buyer, you know how often they get their first offer accepted? Like n never. I don't want to say never 8% of the time, 12% of the time. I don't know some percent of the time. Um, but for the most part you go through like this emotional thing, like you just described Dan, where you're like, you're and now all of a sudden I'm measuring my motivation. <laughs> oh, look at that roof. It is right next door. Uh, you know, price per square foot. Oh, I don't know. And you start running through, you start thinking and you start feeling and, um, but imagine you take that next step and you're like, okay, here we go. Let's write an offer. And to you, you feel like you just inked this deal. Oh, put it down. That feels like it's crazy, but it's going to work. And then guess what? You don't even get responded to. They accept somebody else and you're like, whoa, how could you? You saw my offer, right? How could you not at least check if I had more or how bad I wanted it? It turns out your agent didn't even call my agent or I just got passed by. Those are kind of normal things. And as you can imagine, so then on the next one, you're like, okay, 
I'm still not going to write an offer willy nilly. Nobody wants to do that, but you're kind of like, okay, well, I get it now that the offer is like, this is the jumping off point. And so you, you, if you really love the house, now you're like, okay, I don't have aggressive. a lot of confidence in this, but I, I know I got to be strong because I just lost. If you're kind of settling with the house and it, it meets enough of your needs, whatever, then okay, well, here's the offer. And you know, you're kind of a little, um, easier just to watch it go through the process but in any case number three number four number five i mean these things are it's an emotional roller coaster um and that that's the funny thing like when you're talking i was like yeah i can relate to that because i go through that myself and you know part of it is like if you were imagine if you found out you had cancer okay i got a lot i do you want to know do you want to know it all? Do you want to know your odds? Do you want to know the drugs and the side effects, all things? Do you want to just submit to the pros and let them walk you through? Um, or imagine now if you're told you have cancer and you're the oncologist, okay? You know all about this. You know what, I mean, you're the guy. So it's a whole nother lens you put on. Like you're the guy, dude. You know this stuff backward and forward. And and when you're dealing with other people, you're in the process, you're in the logic, you're in the flow, you're in the what's normal in the market. We know what's normal in the market, but all of a sudden it's you. Oh, wait, there's matters of the heart over here. Yeah. Here, here's a little bit of fear. Well, I never have fear when I'm uh over here, you know helping somebody negotiate or get through the process on their thing. But now all of a sudden that's at that knowledge just creeping in there. You know what can go wrong. You know what your risk is, you know? Yeah. It's that emotion that's really driving. There's, there's with enough people out there that have experienced, you know, failed offer attempts that they're, they're getting a little more desperate or a little more aggressive. And it's that emotion that's taking hold. The one thing that I'll caution people against though is that think back to 2007, 2008, similar kind of desperation where people felt like the window was closing on their ability to own, prices are skyrocketing, um, you know, I got to get in. And all of a sudden, the emotions seem to turn almost instantly, almost on a dime, where all of a sudden overnight, the people became discouraged by housing and and oh the sentiment changed yeah, so rapidly it changed so rapidly and right before that sentiment changed we almost saw values accelerate <laughs> so let's keep an eye on that right i was laughing History about this repeats itself. i was laughing about this last <laughs> night um talking to the dude that voice recognized me from the radio um we we started talking about the um oh i don't want to bum anybody out there's a company in town with a new spin on ice cream. I'll put it that way. So we're not totally n nailing down who it is. But um, it's $8 ice cream. It's $8 ice cream. That's a lot of money for ice cream, right? And But look, here we are, okay? Consumer confidence, really high. You just got a tax break. Feels good. Even if it didn't do everything you thought it would, it was like, well, this is good for everybody. Okay, cool. Tax break. Um, up until recently, your investment accounts, things are okay. Works good, right? Job market's strong. Oh, what? Lowest unemployment rate in a long time. Um, you know, things are, things are just pretty good, right? Rosy economy. 
um, time to open an ice cream shop, charge eight bucks for an ice cream. Is that a good like long term play? Because what happens like right now? Um, you want ice cream today? Yeah, the weather's pretty nice. Let's go get ice cream. How about rainy December day? Um, uh, probably you know. How about a coffee or hot chocolate? Um, now how about economy changes a little bit? I know for me, family of five, like our big indulgence on dessert is like the kids always want to go to Froyo, right? You probably don't have that. Your kids can't even reach your handles no, yet. No, they like Froyo. Okay. <laughs> um, but when they're little, it's like, okay, well, you're doing the toppings for them, right? right. I want to get some sprinkles. Dad, give me a gummy worm. Um, when your kids get a little bit older, now all of a sudden they're just like, they see the row of all of the toppings and they're like, yeah. This is what we're doing, Dad. So something's up, right? Last day of school. Dad, we go to Froyo? Whatever. We're always trying to go to Froyo. Froyo, for me, this is like a $30 event for a little cup of frozen yogurt with some candy on it. That's like Could have bought six tubs of ice cream. At least. <laughs> right. That's if we don't buy the sales stuff. <laughs> So I try to tell my go to the grocery store and get the two for a dollar and then throw (laughs) in the freezer. I turn around and I tell my kids, I'm like, okay, look, here's a twenty and a ten. If we go to the grocery store, you guys are having ice cream for a week, for sure, for a week. Not that we would let you eat it every day, but um, or you can go to Froyo and then guess what? They're like Froyo, crazy. Okay, Um, but anyhow. The economy changes a little bit, and then what? $8 ice creams? I don't know. I don't think so. Um, that's that's that thing, too. I think like what you're saying, Dan, remember back, you said 7 and 8. I'm going to call it 6 and 7. 8 felt like we already kind of knew. If you you almost couldn't give away a house in 2008. People are like, oh, things going to be worth less next year. Um, I guess it depends what part of 2008. But anyhow... Everybody, human nature is that the norm continues. And so right now things are really good and we all really want to believe and invest in that. It's where we put all of our, you know, head on the pillow at night is in this idea that things are okay. We're okay. We're doing okay. Um, when they turn and it, and it, it turns to a turd and you're freaked out and scared. Guess what? People think that's what's going to continue for a while. So we saw that sentiment change so bad and so fast and so like, oh, I don't want to, why would I own that? You know, everybody that owns that's losing 10% a year. It was like, well, you realize that can't go on forever. You're you're not going to time catching the falling knife. Very few people can. They do by dumb luck. So I worry about that a little bit too. Yeah, you're the pro. We're doing the thing. This is our industry. It's all we've ever done. That tagline, the mortgage experts, I believe that in my heart. But are you a little starry-eyed to the fact that we believe the norms continue? We we know how dire the demand is, and so we, we understand that's going to drive prices, and there's this... Um, well, I think we're experts about the financing. I think we're experts about this industry, but I don't think we're experts about human emotion and right. and knowing when human emotion is going to shift. Right, and, and so, that's that's something that's that's the intangible that that yeah. we all have to keep be aware of and keep our eyes on. Yeah, um, yeah. Profound words from a profound man. Now that Dan's <laughs> forty, he's sage. I mean, look at this guy. Right. This guy. 
Hey, we need to do a commercial break here, um, and then we'll be back for the final 20 minutes of Mortgage Matters. Stick around. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KBEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. With trade wars escalating, the market is seeing some serious volatility. Are you nervous? With banks not paying anything on their CDs, where can you put short-term funds for decent growth? Look no further than Century Financial Consultants. We have a new five-year guarantee product paying 3.6%. This product is tax-deferred unlike a traditional CD, and your rates won't change like an indexed annuity. You're guaranteed. Contact Matt at Century Financial Consultants today at 805-324-7914. That's 324-7914. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. Too often, potential home buyers disqualify themselves believing they need perfect credit. The fact is, we can finance home buyers with low credit scores, collections, bankruptcy, foreclosure, or short sale. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre approved. Just call 543 Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California BRA number 018 DBO number 6054783. MLS number 328358. We're the mortgage experts Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. Jim just bringing us back while it's old people music. Yeah, why not? <laughs> I'm liking the sporties music right now. I don't know why. Maybe you should go home and read The Great Gatsby again. Maybe I should. Have you read it as an adult? Uh, no. Everybody read it as a kid, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, I like it once in a while. But then next week, I'll probably be playing ACDC again. <laughs> Think so? I'm sure. Van Halen, Ozzy, probably. <laughs> I'm a rocker through and through, man. Can you imagine Ozzy Osbourne singing Mac the Knife? <laughs> no. O- o- Ozzy does Bobby Darren. <laughs> <laughs> Jim's entertaining himself. Oh, uh, no. I like Probably it. Not. I like it. 
Oh boy! All right, <laughs> pull my uh, my show notes back up because I put down some stuff here. Hey, so we're talking about housing. Um, you want to talk about housing a little bit more? Yeah, because we got some real stuff. Um, existing home sales numbers came out this week. And this tie this tie right into what we've been talking about, John. Existing home sales increased 1.1% to a 5.6 million annualized pace. Um, that's pretty good. Up a little bit. Um, supply for existing home sales nationally. We just start by saying normal is like six months. So this is the rate at which they're being absorbed. If they, if no new homes came on the market and you just kept at the rate you're buying them, when would you run out? Six months is considered like normal, healthy, um, tight number here at 3.6 months. Hmm. Um, so, and new homes, new homes at their current consumption rates at 5.2 months. So you still got this pinch on, um, you know, when we talk about this pent up demand, which has been a theme of the show here for quite a while. Um, a lot of it has to do with the fact that new home construction numbers have been down for so long. Um, it's not like we're building the inventory. We're not We're not putting over roofs over all these heads, which are going to bring us to a healthy vacancy factor where people can move around freely and not get pinched out by price. Um, so... And then lastly, stat last week on the Case and Schiller, um, the U.S. National Home Price Index, prices have increased 6.3% over the previous year, uh, western half of the U.S. showing the strongest gains. So we're still seeing you know, the, the same theme prevail here. Limited inventory, increasing, um, increasing values and prices. So if you thought we were just talking about just here in little old slow, uh, or if you thought we were uh, projecting maybe a bit too much emotion into this, there's some. There's the real math for you. Those are the numbers about what's going on um, on the broader scale throughout the nation. So it feels like it's really this way everywhere. Um, we often debate how many new housing units are needed per year just to keep up with population growth. We we know reasonably well that it's somewhere between one and two million. Mm-hmm. You know, we can argue that, you know, where within that range it should be to, to just keep up. I, I guess a silver lining to all these housing numbers is housing starts. Um, these are the housing starts and building permits, you know, are kind of a reflection of future um, new homes to market. And those are around the 1.3 million annualized rate um both of those figures so i it, it looks like homes that are being started you know early on in that building process that they're starting to approach a, a rate that would at least keep up with population growth yeah um and but it still doesn't make up for 10 years no it doesn't backfill any of that missing space right so like you if you want to argue that it's closer to the million side, okay, I'm going to err on the side. I think let's split it and call it one and a half million. We know we're missing like 15 million homes. So where you make up for that, you got, I mean, you got to add them. There's no other way around it. Either that or you got to, you know, well, the alternative is that somehow people die off somewhere or they leave the country. Otherwise we, we got to house them. Um, 
So th- that being said, there's a lot to make up. We're finally to a level right now where we're keeping up with, you know, or at least we're serving the current current demand in terms of what we need to keep up with population growth. But we're not solving that problem of this um, lack of inventory, this this pent-up demand that there is. Jim's got a listener question. Yeah, she said you're kind of focusing on the North County. What do you think about Aurora Grande, Napomo, South County area? She thought you were kind of focusing North County and Marble Bay, that area, basically. Um, same thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, really same thing. I'd... <laughs> I'm thinking now of three clients in particular I have that are working um, down in South County. And um, man, one of them, I don't guess I probably talked about these guys on the show yet, but they have been in a position, they got their first pre-approval, not from me, but they got their first pre-approval in 2014. And here's a here's a crazy thing, right? <laughs> You got, these guys had the opportunity to move into dad's rental property for what seems like half market rent under the premise of saving the money to have the down payment, right? And then you're going to have uh, ability to buy with no mortgage insurance. So this is dad just doing you a solid, okay? look up and say, of course, hindsight's 2020, but here's the bummer there. If you bought in 2014, you probably, depending on the value, you know, what you got, but in their market, I bet you they probably missed between 2014 and today, they probably missed about $200,000 in equity. They missed a three and a quarter interest rate. So, this fear of paying mortgage insurance sidelined these guys. And so then I started explaining to them how like lender paid mortgage insurance works. Like, but so look back then. Okay. And just trying to make a point to just say, you know, and and I'm not trying to force these guys into buying something today, but I said, you could have done when it was three and a quarter for a 30 year fix with your mortgage insurance, you probably could have done three and three quarters or maybe 4% and got lender paid mortgage insurance. And, um, today, what a brilliant rate. Like we were talking earlier rates today, like four and seven eighths for people. And then you pay your mortgage insurance on top of it if you have to. So, and I was kind of citing that as like what we were talking about earlier, like with these fed rate hikes guys next year, it could very well be five and three quarters that that's a very real thing. And I'm not just fear mongering you. We, we understand there are, the Fed has a pretty transparent published path they're on. Um, we don't know how rapidly you're going to do it, but that's about the normal rate. That's where, when we talk about the normalization of interest rates, that's where we're going. Six to eight percent. It's normal, so historic the, norm. Like I was sharing with these guys, you could do an LPMI deal right now. Lender paid mortgage insurance interest rate would be like five and a quarter, five and three eighths. It's not a terrible deal. Um, it's got to make you, you know, if you could write yourself a letter from you today to you in 2014, you said, hey, dummy, quit overthinking this and get in. Um, but, of course, hindsight's 2020. So, anyways, these guys are um, they're out poking around today. 
I don't want to spoil the ending of this movie for you, um, but guess what? They didn't save 20%. Is the market's gone up 8% a year. You're trying to save a moving target. You're, right. you, can't, you can't ever get there unless you um, really are something special at work. Maybe make three, dollars $400,000 a year. You could rat hole some money away for a couple of years. Yeah, good for you. You're not the norm. That's not normal. Uh, norm, what, what, what's average... What's median income in our county? 60-something. 60 grand a year? You ain't getting there. You ain't saving 20% that way. So anyhow, with these folks, I finally got them moving a little bit. So we had some action, wrote some offers, uh, didn't get any of them accepted. This is down in um, South County. Yeah, the, mainly mainly AG, five cities area. Um, wrote some good offers, but just hot, hot, hot. AG, if you're if you are down there, um, you know sometimes you think you think of the Central Coast as like bedroom communities built around slow or whatever. Uh, AG doesn't consider themselves a bedroom community; they're the real deal. They love their their little city. People are awfully proud of it, and being living there is a big deal. So, especially in those areas right down in there, close to town, highly desirable and um, great market. And again, it's it's basically like the rest of our county, short on inventory, high on prices. Seller's market, throw it on the market, have have a good time watching the feeding frenzy, um, you know. But at the same time, if you're a seller, where are you going? <laughs> you're gonna go become. You're gonna go from the person being competed for to immediately um, a competitor to find your next house, unless of course you are selling an investment property or leaving the area or who knows. So it's a tough little market. Yeah, but we're definitely seeing the same scarcity issues in South County, seeing the same the same struggles, you know, with rents being high and just, yeah, there, it, it's countywide for us. It's re, I mean, it's really beyond countywide. Well, that's why I was just trying to share those national stats. Yeah. 3.6 months worth of inventory. That's crazy. That's, you know, I remember back in my planning years, we used to talk about, you know, when you're planning in your community, the ideal vacancy factor within your town is somewhere around 5%. Okay. That means 5% of your housing stock is available at any time. That keeps prices in check, but so allows people to have an opportunity not only to move into your area for employment opportunities, but also people to move within their community for a growing family or, um, you know, climbing that economic ladder and trying to, you know, color up a little bit into something a little bit bigger, better, nicer. Um, we don't, we just don't have that here. The vacancy rate in our County is like less than a half a percent. It's crazy. So you're, you know, that's, that's going on that way. I started to pull up this, uh, historical chart of um, housing starts. I found one pretty easily on the uh, census.gov site about housing starts throughout the years. Mm -hmm. Um, 2005 looks like the high water mark for us nationally. Um, 2.07 million, basically. Hmm. 2006 drops to 1.8 million, 2007, 1.3, 2008, 1.4, 2009, 1.4, 2010, 1.4, 2011, 1.4, 2012, 1.4, 2013, 1.4, 2014, 1.4, 2015, 1.4, 2016, 1
So you're so you're we're back up to about that. You're serving along in there. Yeah, but check this out. 2008, 905, mm -hmm. 2009, 554, 2011, um, it starts to creep back up a little bit. And by the way, it's not just population growth because starts when you like think about those, um, crazy hurricanes and things like that, that just destroy tens of thousands of homes. Right. Those are counted back in the starts too. You know, we had big flooding out in Texas. Um, there was a lot of mud houses slides. that were just destroyed. Yeah. yeah, you have mudslides, you have fires. Mm -hmm. So when you look at that nationally, there's homes that are just being taken out, taken out of the housing inventory by way of natural disaster a lot of the time. Um, you also have homes that just hit their functional life. Their, their economic life is over. Um, I was in exploring Washington a couple years ago, went inland, um, and I was kind of tripped out at how many homes I saw that were just manufactured homes out on what looked like ag land, you know, spread out nice and, uh, but it seemed like that was sort of the, the way that they were doing it around there. And, you know, those homes don't hold up the way that a stick built home does. So you got to know some of those are falling out of, you know, running past their economic useful life too. So, um, anyhow, that, that's what it's like. I know we kind of start, kind of start circling the drain yeah. there again about yeah. this same part of the, the story is limited inventory, increasing prices. And as of right now, no end in sight. And rates are starting to move higher. Um, this week marked a seven-year high in mortgage rates, so highest since 2011. Um, we're also seeing, because of these higher rates, the lowest share of refinance activity um, since 2008, actually. It's, it's about a third of all loan applications are refinance-related, so that's, that's definitely down from you know when refinancing was... Two thirds of applications just a few short years ago. All the craze, yeah, yeah. It's a uh, and we're expecting two, if not three, more rate hikes this year, which would push us up. You know, we'd expect about another half a point by the end of the year. So get ready for it. On the upside, you know, it's not all bad news, too. On the upside, that means the economy is doing better. Economy's doing better. I would expect to see some of your savings rates. I mean, what's a savings rate? <laughs> A what? You might even get some interest <laughs> on your checking account, Dan. That feels nice, right? Yeah. Um, so as much as some you know, some of you probably might think that that's like a bleak picture of, of what's to come, I don't necessarily think so. I'm, I'm excited for this next part of the cycle. Um, if any of you guys are at that point where you're hearing the story – <clears throat> excuse me, you're hearing this story about rising rates and say, you know, I need to, I need to get on that path. Um, I really enjoy working with first time home buyers. Our company, I would say specializes in working with first time home buyers. We like to sit down and kind of get you a, a game plan. Like I said earlier in the show, having realistic expectations is, is really important. So come on in, 
We can do a loan application, see where you fall, talk about your credit, talk about your savings, talk about what you need to be prepared for for down payment based on the the program that you're ultimately going to select. Then talk about monthly budget and have some strategies for that. When you're going from two thousand bucks a month in rent to three thousand bucks a month in mortgage, you know that's coming. Um, it's nice to just start saving that thousand bucks a month. See what that feels like. See how you live on that budget. Those are the kind of things that come out of getting pre-approved. So um, if you want to do that, give us a call at five four three loan. One office rings all. One number rings all of our offices five four three five six two six. Otherwise, you can check us out on the web at centralcoastlending.com. If you're not a first-time home buyer and you're ready to buy that lake house up in Tahoe or down in Cayucas or whatever, of course, we we can help you with that, too. So thanks for listening this week. Thanks for being with us. Uh, we'll be back next week with another live episode of Mortgage Matters. Hope you guys have a great week. 